Flawcast episode 139, Time, Clock of the Heart. Time is man's most precious asset. All men neglect it, all reject the loss of it, and nothing can be done without it. Voltaire. Flawcast. Get in the arena. All right, good morning, afternoon, evening, mid-afternoon, whatever, esteemed Flawcast listeners, uh, welcome back. It's been a couple weeks, uh, and of course, before we get into it, I do have to welcome my esteemed, duly missed partner in crime, Mr. Carl Tuckerson. Carl, how goes it? Going very well, Mr. William. It has been so long since I've been to the world headquarters here that I actually turned the GPS on this morning to get here. I just <laughs> couldn't even remember how, but it, it, it's good to be back, and it feels like we never left. Good, yes, in, in, in many ways. Uh, we There's been so many things going on. I know we missed a couple weeks. That we, we may miss another week or two, so we do apologize for the inconsistency, but lots of changes. Uh, I know Carl's had to do some special assignments out in the field i know i i got married uh honeymoon uh we're we uh are relocating our flawcast headquarters for more secure bunker so (laughs) a lot going on and for the people that can't see us right now i would like to describe the marriage halo that's over your head (laughs) congratulate you of course i was on a special assignment out of town i couldn't even attend the wedding and more importantly than that and don't tell the wife i said this but the bachelor party I, I missed them both um you did but uh, sacrifice yeah sacrifice is necessary for such times as this so yes i took my orders i followed through i went away you embraced it you were probably devastated but you know what you made it you made it through and here we are yeah we're we are here uh yeah we're we're waiting just waiting for the the wedding gift in the mail, but <laughs> actually it's sitting on the table. Oh, I was just joking, but uh, we're glad to be back. And uh, we, we got some good things on the horizon. I feel confident in saying, and before we go really deep into it, I want to once again, welcome and thank everybody. We are anywhere you can listen to podcasts, Flawcast, Flawcast CLE. We're on Apple, Google play, Spotify breaker. Um, we are on rumble under flawed Inc. You can find us on our project mockingbird, social media on Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, that's under Flawed Inc. as well. Uh, we're on Parlor, we're on Gab, we're on Getter, Flawed Inc. once again. Uh, there will be a link below. They get a copy of my book, Smith's Heart of Man Repair Manual, celebrating the one year anniversary of that. And uh, with the holidays rapidly approaching, I can't think of a better gift to get your loved ones uh, for, for the upcoming. There would be holiday. no greater turkey day gift than for a man to sit down at the, t- the table with the big spread and the big family and the wife and children on Thanksgiving to give the gift. I think that would be a very special day. Well, thank you. Yes. So you just perfectly painted that. So if you picture what, what Carl said and you don't have the book, you got to get it. But the link below is there. Um, 
Also, our email is flawedincle at gmail.com. Send us an email request if you have any uh, questions, concerns. Uh, Actually, even if you like a copy of the book, can't swing it right now because our purse strings are being purposely drawn tighter and tighter. Uh, (laughs) I really do want to sew into people, so I'll be more than happy to send you a PDF on the house. Just go ahead and, once again, email us at flawedincle at gmail.com. Now is Carl's most favorite second, I'm sorry, most second favorite time of the episode. So, Mr. Tuckerson, have at it. Okay, everyone, place your right hand over your left heart and repeat after us. I I pledge pledge allegiance allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with with liberty and justice for all. So before uh, I'm going to hand the mic officially over to Carl, he's got some things just burning in his heart he wants to share with us, and I'm excited to listen uh, as well. Just bear with us during this season with uh, the spottiness. We're not abandoning posts. We're not, you know, lifting up the anchor and ditching ship or anything like that. We are just in a transition. So with that being said, I know what Carl's going to say is going to be a timely, poignant message for us to hear, especially as we're going into this time of year. So Carl, my friend, the floor is yours. Thank you, Mr. William, for the listeners, this will be the most organic podcast we've done. Mr. William received notice approximately one hour ago (laughs) that we were going to do the podcast. And uh, of course, we go with the flow. So he was shocked, but, you know, ready. And here he is. He showed up. Uh, We don't have notes because... The situation is so urgent that it's almost transcribed on our hearts. And so I don't think we need to look at paper. I don't think we need to have hours of study to deal with this because I think we just need to draw from our experiences. And uh, we're going to bounce some things off each other. I want to talk about a really important topic, um, and that's time. And, you know, we have covered in depth so many articles and so many facts and so many podcasts that are tied into different systems. Now, these systems are systems of men, and we establish the corruption, and we establish the dishonesty and the lies, the absence of the truth. We use truth, verifiable, generally by these organizations and systems' own words. So our opinions are irrelevant. They don't matter, and thank God, because I am not concerned with my opinion. Uh, I don't sometimes even trust it, Mr. William, and I'll tell you why, because sometimes opinions are so intermingled with emotions that you can get in the way and you can cloud the reality of the situation. And so I just assume, uh, remove my opinion from something. Um, and that is basically just what I think or how I feel. I'd rather just deal with the word is. In other words, what is. That way it's absent of the influence of emotion, feeling, personal agenda. It just stands alone. You know? Well, as a lot of people may or may not know, the new philosophy is feelings are facts. So however you feel is the fact. Um, I'm yeah, being very, very uh, condescending. No, but, it's true. But, um, That's the new, the new movement or shift. But that shouldn't negate when you do have a a genuine feeling, whether it be disappointment, anger, 
bitterness, joy, excitement, whatever. Um, yes. The Almighty is full of emotion. Yes. Uh, one of the things, not to cut you off, but one of the things I did when my ex-wife left, I went through all four Gospels. I've read them. It must have been two years, just Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And I looked for every place where the Scriptures talked about the emotionality and the feelings of Christ. And it was in Luke chapter 7 where uh, the widow of Nain and it said, um, and go look it up if, you, if you're not familiar with the story, but it said he was moved to tears by her pain. And it spoke to me that we have a, a Savior and we have a, a, a God that is uniquely tied to our emotions because he is the author and the creator and the giver of those. Yeah. Well, the Bible says that we were created in the image of God, but also in the likeness of God. And so what that indicates is that the emotional aspect of who God is was impudiated into us. And it was put into us when he breathed into Adam. And when he breathed into us, he breathed life, but that life carried emotion. And so we do have feelings and we do have emotions and those are actually given to us as a warning. Uh, and I'll give you an example. When you walk upon an area that you uh, assess quickly and you feel unsafe, it's not lit properly. It just doesn't look right. It just doesn't feel right. You have the emotion of being scared. That is an indicator that something is not right. That's an indicator to what? Be cautious. So feelings are given to us to Con help us. Contrary and to any person that's ever been in any kind of horror movie. Yeah, right. Is what you're talking about. Yeah, correct. <laughs> exactly. Right. Don't, don't include the when you horror hear the creepy mute When you hear the creepy music and the dark lit alley and the silhouette of the guy with the knife in his hand, yeah. go the other way. And also, you know, we have feelings of guilt. Yeah. Well, those should be momentary. They shouldn't be years to trap you in isolation, which turns into regret. Then that switches into condemnation. So you have feelings to help you. If you have feelings of guilt when you're assessing or when you're reassessing an event, that guilt is given to you to evaluate how you could have handled things better. It's not given to you to live in bondage or the spirit of regret. So these emotions, they're real, but I want to just step out of feeling and jump into facts because facts also help. And they're also given to us as indicators that something worked and we need to keep it the same. Or as we reevaluate, they're given to us so we realize that the truth of the matter or the fact of the matter is this didn't work best. It may have got me by. It may have sufficed. But as I look at the facts, I can do better and get to where I'm doing my best. So I really just want to get in that. And uh, I want to talk about uh, not the systems of men that have been corrupted, but I want to talk about time and how our choices to prioritize things have caused us to be trapped into a system that has been influenced by corruption and we buy into this system that we have the control to stay out of. And that is time management.
how do you manage your time? What do you do with your time? If you want to know what I'm talking about, anyone that's driving or if you're sitting down, if you have a calendar, I would like you to just look at your upcoming week. Look at where your time is going, and that will show you and tell you factually what is important to you. Because where your time goes is what's important. Okay? Mm -hmm. So it's just a simple evaluation that says, what's upcoming this week? What is my schedule? And look at what occupies your time. Then evaluate. Why is my time going there? Well, Carl, you don't understand. My budget is $9,000 a month, and I have no choice. I have to work. Well, I have had an event that has happened, and I'm going to talk about it briefly, that has really caused me to reassess what are the things that I am paying for and buying and purchasing and that are in my budget. Well, it's interesting to say that, I, you know, not only I think is time a good measuring stick of what is important to you, I think also where your finances go. So I think time and money are two very accurate, very consistent measuring sticks of what you hold to be valuable. Yeah. If your existence is influenced by the need for cultural or societal acceptance to be validated and have worth, and you feel like you're missing out if you're not participating in 35 different activities each week, and that that's what gives you your validation because you're keeping up with the Joneses, or you think that's what everybody does, Christians and non, black, white, yellow, red, indifferent, that we've evolved into this system now where the attack for your time is actually through and by, in my opinion, personal entertainment, personal indulgence, self-gratification, personal interests that do nothing except satisfy the moment, but they have nothing sustaining whatsoever. Um, and you are in this system. I would like to tell you, I know what that is like. I know how easy it is to get caught up in buy into and be influenced by that and something may happen to rock your world and bring you back to square one to ask yourself the question what really is important and i would like to share a personal story that's pretty much going to be a therapy session um i had a friend for 11 years that was younger i met him when he was 21 he was 32 and um, he became one of my closest friends. The relationship was one of almost father-son. And uh, he worked for me. So he rode with me to the different jobs. And we worked together during the days. And he had a lot of issues, a lot of mental health issues, a lot of emotional issues. And I, and I took him under my wing. And through the process, uh, he became one of the closer people in my life. And the loyalty that he showed me was something that you don't generally experience. And it was very special. And um, I came home uh, just a couple of days ago. It's been two days now. And uh, my wife greeted me in the garage. And she had been crying. And she um, 
walked up to me and hugged me and went weak. And I knew that this is a problem. I knew that <laughs> this is not normal and uh, was concerned and was scared to even ask what was wrong because I knew that it was going to be devastating. And she said, I couldn't call you. I couldn't tell you until I was in person because um, this gentleman took his life. And it happened in the middle of the night the day before. And uh, she knew that I needed to be not driving and I needed to be in a place of safety because she said, I know how close he was to you and I can only imagine. And she, she was, he, he was very close to her. My, my wife knew him from the time he was 11 months old and had wow. kind of helped raise him. So we were both devastated, but you know, what has happened, Mr. William is that of course there's pain and there's anguish. And some of you that are listening may have experience with that. I never, had someone that close to me that had committed a suicide. And so I have been working my way through so many questions and hurt and emotions and uh, a lot of different feelings that I really don't need to get into. But one thing that I have started to do is peel away some things like an onion with different layers. And what I've come up with is that um, the way I handled him in comparison to the rest of society, in comparison to even his family and pretty much anyone else involved in his life, those people are going to evaluate that situation and tell me how wonderful of a friend I was, what a great influence. And to a certain extent, that was true. But only I know what my best was. Only I know that the system grading scale is not what cultural's average, what is society's average, what is the national average. Only I know that my standard of grading is the word of God. And so when I compare my effort into his life, I don't compare it to the rest of society. I don't compare it to how other people were and then take comfort knowing that compared to them, I blew them out of water as far as uh, importance or performance. I compare my life against the word of God and there's no grading scale. His expectations and his requirements don't change and they don't lower or raise because societies do. And so I just wanted to talk briefly and open the door even to you about this issue that is a trap in the pursuit of your time. Because I know that where your time is is where your heart is. I know that where your money is is where your treasures are. I know that it's all intermingled. And I know that we can become complacent. And I know this because one of the most tragic things in my life has just most recently happened. And it has caused me to look back at moments that I knew I should have picked the phone up. I knew I should have had this person that was fighting isolation and loneliness that was supposedly so important to me. And as I look back and I've evaluated, I have also accepted the truth of the matter, absent of emotion and hurt and pain and feelings. And I have evaluated the times that I didn't make myself accessible and I didn't reach out and I didn't show up and I didn't open the door and extend a helping hand. And you want to know why I didn't do it, Mr. William, because I didn't have the time. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, when I look back at this, 
I do have the regret of knowing that I want to move out. I, I want to move out of this life of I should have. And I could have, and I would have, and I want to transition into a life that says I will. I don't want to look back anymore at events and realize I misappropriated my time. I misappropriated what was really important. And because I threw myself into this system where I also did not make proper choices and I may have a higher budget than I need to because I may have things that really aren't even important, but because I decided to jump in and keep up with the Joneses myself and get things that I really, now I realize what's really important. You know, we don't know we have the guarantee of the next breath and we say that and we may believe it, but if we really believed it to our inner core, we wouldn't just say we believe it. We would live it. The reality of that, doesn't set in in a really practical, pragmatic way. What I'm understanding, it's funny, you know, when you first called and said, hey, this is kind of where I'm thinking, just because how my mind works is the first song that just popped in my mind was a culture club song called Time Clock of the Heart, which is why I decided to call it this. And, you know, time won't give me time. Time makes lovers feel like they got something. I'm sure most people. I like that song, actually. Yeah, you know, but me kind of being able to relate to you now in a different way with like being newly married and wanting time and wanting to make time a priority and trying to figure out how that is. And then hearing what I'm hearing in your voice. And I can't quite pinpoint it because this is remorse, regret, you know, learning your, I, I see all these different wheels turning there was another song I was taught that, that as you're talking came to my head. It's it's called "The Living Years" by Mike and the Mechanics, and uh, the chorus. And just to read it, just get it. Uh, it says, "Say it loud, say it clear. You can listen as well as you hear. It's too late when we die to admit we don't see eye to eye." And uh, although that may have to deal specifically with a disagreement, I think the thing there says it's too late when we shed this mortal coil, when we, you know, go tits up respectfully in in, in whatever manner that is. Um, I think that your observation is quite astute regarding, you know, we are surrounded in a, in a time where there is evil all around us. And and I always get really sensitive to this stuff this time of year. You know, obviously we're recording this a week and a half, two weeks away from Halloween and just, but you know, having the dogs take me on my daily walk or just being out or whatever, like you can sense things are different. You can, there's a almost tangible evil. And we deal with that a lot. Like that's primarily what we discuss. And I think these episodes don't come as often as they should. And unfortunately, it seems like at a price that is very dear to pay. But I think it's important, and especially now that we're heading into the holidays, and and I don't want to be away, so I apologize, but my perception is that it's quite possible that these holidays that we're going to experience are going to be different than what we may customarily enjoy and what we may experience moving through time, you know, moving in the future. I, I personally believe that. So I think the ability to harness the moments given to us and even the moments that we share with people. You mentioned my bachelor party earlier and people like, hey, you want to go do this? You want to go do that? And I said, no, actually, I just really want my closest friends to eat food and smoke some cigars and have some whiskey and 
hang out and create memories. That's that's what I wanted, you know. And, and the same thing like with our wedding, you know. Uh, Another song that just popped in my head is a song by U2 called Walk On, you know, and the lyrics show, and love is not the easy thing. It's the only baggage that you can bring. Um, and, and even just that, that very first line, like whatever monies or whatever legacy or whatever we create here is going to remain here. I believe what we take with us are the lessons that we've learned, the closeness that we get to God, that that relationship we developed, the the love that we had, you know, the love with our friends, with the, the, the people that God brings in and out of our lives. And I think that this is a really interesting perspective. And I'm this I will never allow, uh, and I've made this decision over um, certain events that have like scarred me and we'll talk about that that for a second you know um a fresh wound is not healed a deep wound that heals the mark never goes away even when it's healed it it alters you it alters your body you always carry that scar yeah you always carry the scar and when you see that scar your mind uh, will overlook it a thousand times because it's just a part of your body now. But there'll be that time where when you see it, you're immediately taken back to that moment where that wound happened. I have uh, one of those on my leg of an accident at work, and uh, I may not think about that scar for two years because it's a part of my body now, and it's like whatever, but there are periodical times where noticing that that scar is there will literally take me back to the moment that that event happened. And this is one of those events in my life is that uh, I'll never be the same, but I will heal. I'm just going to be different. And I'm going to give you an an example of, uh, the battle for your time and the manipulation and the pursuit of that. You know, we, uh, a couple years ago, however long it's been now, we were told that if we loved society, that we would stay away from each other. We would isolate from each other. We would separate from each other. We would have no contact from each other. We would simply just keep our distance. And um, we had talked in the past about husbands and wives that have been married over 50 years with one of them needing full-time care that they actually would keep those people away and one of the mates would pass into eternity would would die and they said if you really love that person you'll stay away you will not have physical contact you will not have close contact and you know i uh think what has happened is that um you're bombarded by that so often and so much for a certain period of time that even when they say we've now lifted the regulations by that time period, people developed a new pattern of lifestyle and there isn't the closeness that there used to be anymore. Um, not that society was close before, but I see the wedge. I see the distance and, um, because we got so used to the isolation and the separation and we adapted the lifestyle to that out of the deception and the lie that said, if you really love them, you'll stay away. We now have disconnected to a higher level. 
it had already been happening through technology of the disconnect with just texting and then uh you know with a phone call separating the the interaction in person but then now with the texting and then the instagram it's like there's been this attempt to disconnect the the gathering of humanity and the power that comes from the love that's shared in person and being around each other and it's been disconnected and it's been cut off and it has become societal's norm and um it's really easy to get tied up in other things to entertain yourself to occupy yourself and so we have almost developed a new lifestyle in this country and um we're not as connected and what happens is that when an event happens where you have access to someone that's much younger so logic tells you that you have so many years to get in touch with them or reconnect with them or connect with them or you know you really should reach out to this person because you know they're isolated and they're alone you put it off because habitually now we are a individual separated cut off non-contact society and so that's a system I'm talking about that was an attack on your time. So I said, like, I reevaluated and I self evaluated, excuse me, I self evaluated and uh, I made a promise to myself and to God that I will never again fall into that trap. And, you know, on the way over here to record this, I literally made three phone calls. You know, I I decided I'm reaching out. And you know what was amazing was that the person, there are people important in my life, but I have not I've not seen in quite a while or even talked to. And they were like, Hey, you know, like what's going on? Is everything okay? Because just the contact was a shock. I noticed it. It wasn't one of my scientific experiments, right. but it jumped out at me. And uh, an observation, an observation. And after talking, just checking up, just letting you know, I love you, man. Just saying, I've been thinking about you and uh, we need to get together. We need to have caught and just that development right there. They were so excited that somebody from the past in their life and present reached out to them, made that contact made plans for a cup of coffee and you're thinking well tim does that really matter well guess what it may have mattered to my friend well i'll tell you what just occurred to me you you laid out very succinctly and factfully that there's been this push to isolate to separate humanity i believe you know when when the almighty made adam in the very beginning and he's like, hey, dude, like, let's hang out and you'll take care of all this stuff. Yeah. God looked at him and said, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. That's right. And obviously in, in that particular context, we're talking about Adam and Eve. But, you know, even evaluating like my wedding last couple of weeks, you know, I had like two blood relatives there because of the choices that my family blood relatives have made. But I had a bunch of family there. That's right. Because of the relationships that we have and the bonds that have been made. So my point is, and I want to encourage not just you, dude, but our listeners. There is this fight to keep us isolated, to keep us separated. But we as humans were created for community. We were created to not just uh, hang out and talk with the Almighty, but with one another. You know, we, we do need each other. And the, your sentiment, my wife 
is like, hey, have you talked to so and so? I'm like, no. Like, you need to call them. Like, and, I get and this, that. I get that all the time from my wife too. Yeah, and 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 it, it and it's frustrating because it's not like I don't want to not call this person, but it, you you get caught in this trap, like yes. yeah. this cycle or whatever you want to refer to it. And I think you're laying down a very interesting gauntlet right now. And my perspective, because of how I look at things, is that one of the most effective tools or weapons that we're going to have moving forward to fight against the enemies of humanity, if I will, mm-hmm. is one another. You know, and I have great issues with the, the Church of America. I'm sure it's not a big guess. I know, Carl, you, you have quite a few also. And uh, it's hard for me because I'm... I am so repulsed by inauthenticity, you know, fakeness, fugazi. But I believe the Almighty is, and, and I believe He's instilled that in me. Is like if something is authentic, like that, just you know, it's like a bead of honey. Uh, and and I believe that you know, even the Scripture says, you know, don't forsake the assembling of the brethren, even as the day grows grows closer. So I feel like this is a, a timely, reflective gauntlet you're throwing down i wanting you know first and foremost say i'm so sorry for your loss and thank you and and for all those others who are suffering because you know i know that in the last couple years since the the event that won't be named that you were referring to that you know really put an emphasis on this isolation so many have lost so much not just in regards to jobs not just in regards to livelihoods not just in regards to relationships, but actually, you know, people. I would never critically or, or criticize a situation in trying to help someone, right? Uh, I just wouldn't do that because I don't think that you build someone up by judging and attacking. Tearing them down. I am going to speak from personal reflection. I'm going to speak on personal account of my life and anyone that's listening look at your life if if people feel good about where they are and the choices that they're making i don't want to criticize them for that what i'm telling you is that anyone that hears this and wants to share this wants to give it to someone because you know you think they may find it helpful i'm speaking personally and very freshly. I'm still in this process of the grieving and the working through and the evaluating, but I refuse to allow the devil, the demonic kingdom, hell, the antichrist spirit, evilness. I will never allow them again, as long as I live, to cause me to give something up I have ownership of. Do you want to know the one thing that levels the playing field? The one thing that is universal in all continents, in all countries, with all wealth, meaning the richest and the poorest. The one thing that the ground is equal on is time. Every single person, every single race, everywhere has equal time available. That's very, that, that may be the only thing of equality that I have, that I control, that I can give away. And that is what I did. So I, I'm just simply saying, anyone listening, you assess yourself. And if you feel like you're a lower class citizen, or if you feel like you've done well for yourself, and you are just well to do financially, and you've accomplished so much, I would like both of you, 
both ends of the spectrum to understand the equal playing ground, my friend, is time. Money doesn't buy more of it. So the rich man and the poor man, they're equal on the ground of time. And I am saying that in my life, I am setting things up. I am actively figuring things out. I am honestly evaluating and I am pursuing what is important in my life in the timescape of eternity, the reality of eternity. Because guess what? My friend, he's there. He's there. I'm stuck. Like I'm here, right? In this like time system of earth and earth's time seconds and minutes seconds and, and minutes hours. okay yeah, yeah where there really is a limit to the day right. but but people and this person specifically that is, it was so close to me he now is in eternity and so i have to reshift i have to reprioritize and i can't feel good because compared to anyone else that I know or anyone else that is in my circle, I am doing more. Only God knows what is your best. You and God, you know. And when you fall into the trap where other people look at you in admiration or when other people compare you to themselves or a system of society and you start to feel good and you don't measure yourself to the word of God and what he expects and what he says and what he demands and what he longs for. If your if your motive isn't what he desires, okay, you can be tricked. You can believe that you're doing great and you're doing good. And you know what? You probably are, but is it your best? And that's all I'm saying. I'm not talking about right or wrong. I'm simply saying, when are we going to, as a people, wake up and start accepting and looking and working for the best? You don't even hear that anymore. It's always just, let's get by. What's good enough? Is this good? It's good enough. Well, was it your best? It's almost like in this world, we're not even allowed to pursue our best anymore at anything. Everything is just minimal level, graded to the curve, on the surface, just minimal and I'm sick of it because I know I could have done more and I know I could have been more now am I trapped in guilt no it always comes down to personal choice no matter what I did for my friend and no matter how much more I could have done in the end it was his decision and I will I refuse to embrace guilt or condemnation but if I'm being honest in my evaluation of myself I could have done better. It wasn't my best. And so that's all I'm saying. That's that's all I wanted to say. I, I think that's a great place to to kind of leave this episode. And the only other thing I would add is uh, one of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 10. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 10, it says, those who compare themselves amongst themselves are not wise. So I think you're observation of just because someone may say, Hey, you're doing your best or this, you're doing this or that you and your heart know if you're telephoning it in, that's right. You, you, you in your heart know if there's more that you have to offer or not. And then that at the end of the day is I think what you're really asking us to distill and evaluate. Yes. So, um, but we want to thank you for sharing, Carl. I think this is, I think everyone listening to this, 
especially going into this time of year and moving into the, the, the seasons ahead, really need to evaluate and take stock in, uh, in this. And I, I believe our most precious commodity as a society are our relationships and, and humanity. So uh, please share this episode. I think a lot of people need to hear this. Uh, I really believe that uh, we're anywhere you can listen to podcasts, uh, Flawedcast, Flawedcast CLE, uh, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Breaker. We're on Rumble on Flawed Inc. Uh, come find us on Project Mockingbird social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, under Flawed Inc. We're also on, on Gab, Parlor, and Getter. Uh, you can get a copy of my book below, Smith's Art of Man Repair Manual. Our email is flawedinkcle at gmail.com. Uh, send us an email if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. If you like a copy of my book and just simply can't afford it right now, uh, please, no shame. I'd love to send you a, a copy of a PDF on the house. Um, I'd be more happy to do that. Uh, with that being said, um, make sure that you're measuring your time as you would your most valuable commodity. <laughs>